Hi guys, welcome back to the What About podcast. I'm Owen and hopefully if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you know the format by now. We're diving into interesting topics about local church, chatting to leaders and getting the lowdown on how churches can impact their communities, react to current issues and open discussions. In each of these sessions, we want to dig deeply into why we do what we do theologically, but also practically chat about the, how that belief shapes our daily lives. Today, we're going to be chatting to Cy and Anna Fry. Cy leads the team here at Christchurch, and him and Anna pastor this family of believers. Today's topic is a complex and quite messy one. As I'm sure you are all aware, over the past month, we've seen war break out in Ukraine over Russian invasion. Uh, it's caused untold destruction, loss of life and people fleeing their homes. And this morning, we just want to chat a bit about how we as Christians respond to the subject of war and what that means. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. So over this period, we've seen uh, this quote from Matthew 24 being said a lot about wars and rumours of wars. So to frame this conversation, we're going to chat about a bit more about that. And I just want to read it before we start. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And it goes on from there. I just thought it'd be good to uh, open by reading that passage and framing our discussions and also just open with asking our guests uh, a bit about their experience of war situations because we know that when we talk about this situation we're not currently going through what is going on in Ukraine and, and um, we want to frame our discussion by our experiences so you know where we're coming from. So yeah, aside, do you want to kick us off? What, what's been your experience about this topic and uh, war situations in general? Sure. So yeah, I think uh, as you said, we're not in a war situation here in the UK and myself and Anna, we've never actually lived in a, a war situation and um, we've never had to bring our uh, family through that. However, we have visited various different places, northern Uganda, South Sudan, where they've been in uh, war and they and they've had internal fighting going on. So we've we've chosen to go into places where there has been conflict and be there for a, a brief uh, period of time. So we have had some experience, although limited experience. I don't know if you want to share a bit about the time in northern Uganda, Anna. Yeah, so we were travelling to northern Uganda, working with the churches in northern Uganda during the period of war with the Lord's Resistance Army. Akoni, the chap who led the Lord's Resistance Army, believed he was the Holy Spirit and he was completely bonkers, really. And he just would take captive child soldiers and rape all the women and burn all the villages down. And we had the great privilege with, of being able to work with the church there. Whilst they were all being displaced, they had to sort of flee into the main towns. And it really was a great privilege to work with people. And it really gave us, from a young age, a real understanding of just how privileged our life is, how wonderful it is to live in peace. But also just a very small insight into the how difficult it is in war, particularly how the church has to step up in war as well and represent Christ in very practical ways. 
when we are also involved in South Sudan as well, when I travel out there sometimes when they had internal fighting going on. And sometimes I would say to Anna, do you know, should I, should I film something for the kids if I don't come back? Uh, particularly around 2013-14 time when it was really bad there. And uh, Anna would always say, no, you're, you're weird enough as it is. Let's not um, see a video of, uh, of you being even uh, even strange. At least I can paint a picture that you're, you're you know, you're normal or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but it was, you know, seriously, sometimes you'd go and it was that sense of it this is this is uh, difficult and dangerous and I actually found out I was pregnant with one of, with our fourth child as Simon was uh, traveling through South Sudan while it was at war <laughs> <laughs> it was quite funny. I was just sort of Looking like... Looking back, sending, it was funny. Not at the time. <laughs> I was just saying, look, you need to try and stay alive. I don't really want to raise four children by myself. Yeah, you're going to be a dad yeah. again. Uh, and I remember texting back saying, I know, and I think it's twins. It wasn't. But, uh, <laughs> I was like, you're not welcome back now. <laughs> stay there. <laughs> I just felt God uh, say to me, that's another story. We're going off piece. But um, part of the, I suppose, part of our purpose in doing part of the reason we're re- willing to risk that is for the, the sake of the gospel. Mm. Paul, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.10 that he uh, would do anything for the sake of the elect that they may come to, you know, sort of come to glory uh, in Christ Jesus. And there's a sense in which actually we can be too comfortable and we can be, oh, is it, is it, is it worth the risk of that? And focus a lot on this life here and now uh, rather than realizing we're called to live for eternity and actually our brothers and sisters in these places were going through some of the most horrendous times and us just coming in even just for a brief period like like it was uh, they would often quote the proverb to say like uh, like cold water refreshes the soul on a hot day so does good news from a distant land and they would say you're you're that good news coming you're refreshing our soul just for that brief period to, to to stand with them and so it yeah so it's, it, as I said we didn't live in it but we have had some experience and it does it does it does impact you it does help you frame things I think in the light of eternity again one of C.S. Lewis's uh, books and one of his lesser well-known books called The Weight of The Weight of His Glory The Weight of God's Glory in there at the beginning he that they basically it's a book of uh, a series of uh, lectures he gave during the Second World War, yeah. and he he writes at the beginning of that that he hasn't edited it or changed any of uh, what what he uh, said in those uh, lectures as he would normally do for his books to sort of polish it up a bit because he said actually otherwise it will take away from the the seriousness and the the sort of uh, uh, I suppose the gravity of what they were going through at that time, and so I think it's. In, I think that's also an important thing to remember. Sometimes we can be more, in peace times, you can be more reflective, you can take time to think and finally polish things and make them look sound good. However, in, in a war situation, it is much more life and death. It's much more gritty. It's much There's a lot more grey areas than in life that you have to deal with than you do in normal life. Mm. I think with, with C.S. Lewis, it is worth bearing in mind because there were a lot of sort of mere Christianity in those books were put into to excerpts that he would read over the radio, you know, while people were in, obviously, in trenches, but also at home in, in times like the Blitz when they were in shelters, it would be excerpts of, of mere Christianity and C.S. Lewis's thoughts for the day almost, and that real practical, what does it look like for the gospel to impact my situation during this most dark of times? And I think that's one of the things I love about C.S. Lewis is he doesn't shy away from 
difficult subjects because he went through <laughs> difficult times and and I think it's thank you for sharing a bit about your guys situations and where you've been and even though obviously as you say you haven't lived in the war zone that experience of being in, in areas impacted by war and meeting with people very firsthand I know you know we both know people who have very seriously seen the impact of war in, in those areas people you know like Milton who you know has had guns pointed at him and 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 our friends in persecuted areas as well who live with a threat on their life and um, I think it's important that that's yeah though we know we don't live in that area there is an awareness of that and we see the impact from that and I think that has to be a caveat on this podcast isn't it that it's people who aren't in war and haven't experienced war personally in our in our homeland talking about war and so I think we need to really be looking to listen to what Christians who are in places like the Ukraine or places like the Democratic Republic of Congo and places where they're just permanently at war to be really gleaning their wisdom from them of what God has spoken to them about in these times of terrible suffering. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that we need to make a, we definitely need to make it a habit of um, getting as much as we can from those who are in those situations and learning what it means and impacts our lives. What I said about living for eternity, you know, in times of peace and um, times of comfort, you get complacent and we can we can start investing. But when those things we're trying to invest in, in the sort of physical world are gone, <laughs> that's when you realise the things that really matter are eternity and, and the kingdom of God. And I think we hear that, we're hearing stories of that from our friends in in eastern europe at the moment and how we really need to take that on board and not just think that we are somehow detached from that we're not detached we're just complacent to a certain extent yeah i mean i think jesus with the parable of the sower doesn't he warns us particularly of that in that third illustration he uses of the seed that falls amongst the thorns and how they grow up together and he says the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the, the, the life in, in the seed, making it unfruitful. And there's a sense in which sometimes our comfort that we have here, and you know, we should we should, we should pray for peace, and we'll look at that in a in a minute. But our comfort can distract us. Whereas when you're in a situation of a war or you know an extreme crisis, then you haven't got the cares of this world. You haven't got the deceitfulness of of wealth, you know, clambering at you. It's much more survival and also eternity comes to light. Then because you're thinking, okay, I could I could die soon. I want my life to to count what does it count for mm. yeah definitely amazing we're going to talk a bit more about that as science said in in a minute we're going to be talking about uh, christians approach to war we're going to be talking about sort of uh, end times and what we read into this uh, fear anxiety all those things but let's just um start i think with a, a question i think some people might be um sort of thinking and specifically if you aren't christian or, or maybe you're you're new to your faith it might be you're thinking well well, why do we see war in this world? You know, why doesn't God just stop war? If he is all powerful, why doesn't he just stop wars? Anna, do you want to... Yeah, well, I think, you know, I'm, I won't pretend to understand why God doesn't stop wars. I think it's the same issue as suffering, you know, wrestling in your mind that God is a good, kind, faithful, loving God who is never anything other than that and yet we do see immense suffering we do see war and that sort of tension is is a lifelong thing that you wrestle with and ask God and it kind of is 
one of those life questions that you know that some of that answer will come when you see Jesus face to face and you'll understand things that we haven't understood here on earth. But I think it's fair to say Jesus does warn very clearly that there will be wars and rumours of wars, like Owen said at, at the beginning in that Matthew 24 verse. I think also we do know as well from passages like Psalm 2, you know, that God, it's not that God doesn't see war, he sees the war, he under, he can see what is happening and is not aloof from it and separate from our suffering. He is the God who's in control and somehow God is in control of all that happens. But essentially, uh, war is caused every time by the sinfulness of men and women, not just men, that we choose to, whatever we want is the most important thing. It's pride, isn't it? Which is the root of all of our sin is pride of thinking what we want is more important than anybody else, anybody else's life, anybody else's peace. And actually the thing that I think frightens us all about war so much is that actually it shows the condition of the human heart, Mm. that when we let our heart just give in completely to sinfulness, then the things that we pursue are are so evil and cause so much destruction and how people can hate each other who, I mean, where where we worked in Uganda, you know, you, you would have children who've been trained to kill their own family. It's so mind-blowing, really, that we're capable as people of such great goodness and yet such horrendous evil and it, it's mind-blowing, really, that, that contrast of that we're made in the image of God. So, of course, we reflect the beauty and loveliness and the goodness of God in our actions. But we also are, have our sinful nature, and their sinful nature is frightening when you see it fully blown in, in how we will destroy each other. I think picking up on that Psalm 2, it says, you know, why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot in vain against the Lord and against his anointed? And there's that there's that sense of that rebellion there and it going against not only the purposes and, uh, and plans of God, but sometimes for people that don't believe in God, they're not necessarily going against, you know, directly going against God, but they are going against other things that are good and that are, are, are consistent in their own, as Anna said, their own pride and their own desire for whatever they want. They're happy to destroy other people's uh, lives. And I think also beyond that as well, it's it is worth noting as well that I said we haven't lived in war and we're talking about, I suppose, physical war in that sense. But there is a spiritual war going on. There is a spiritual battle happening. And, you know, Jesus says in John 10, 10, that the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've come to bring life, life in all its fullness. And the devil, you know, sometimes, you know, some of the TV programs and that they sort of make jokes that, you know, if you live you know, living for God, it's sort of boring and straight laced. And, 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 but, you know, God doesn't want you to have fun. Whereas, uh, you know, the devil's way, yes, it's wrong, but it's fun. It's good. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, um, pleasurable and all those sorts of things and actually that's that's not the devil's intention the devil wants to steal life he wants to kill life he wants to destroy life he makes practices that are actually damaging either to yourself physically 
mentally, emotionally, he makes them appear fun because he wants to destroy your life. He wants to steal it. He he doesn't want you to actually enjoy life. He just doesn't want you to know God. And he knows that in God is the is a source of life and life in all its fullness. So there's a spiritual battle going on there. So not only men and women in their own wickedness and their own selfishness and rebellion to God, but the devil comes on the back of that and feeds that and encourages that. And, and to, to some extent, for some people, will reward that for, for them a little bit to give them so that they go on destroying other people's lives because it's causing more destruction. It's, called, it's, 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 it's killing more people. Yeah, I once heard this really interesting talk, Gary Skinner, who leads Watoto Church in Kampala, who they lived in Uganda when it was um, at war and where it was very, very difficult. And he has a very interesting view on war. And I, you know, I still think about it. And and it's just a really interesting perspective that he says, you know, we we forget that the devil has no home. He hasn't been put into the pit yet. And so he roams around. He has nowhere to go. And he's formu- he formulated the view, which he talked about when Syria kicked off. He said he, he really believes that when you get this sudden increase of violence that's just sort of blown up out of almost nothing, you know, you get the sudden... And, you know, really, it's the same in the Ukraine. I know there's a long, long history there, but suddenly there's this increase of, actually, we just want to take this land. And it, you, you, there's like an immediacy to it he said he he actually believes that it's where all the demonic powers join together in one place and you see this massive advance of destruction and war and that it's um where you you know because of course the devil does have no home and the demonic can congregate together and then you get this very evil advance of destruction and war which is a very interesting concept for us to think about and I know here in the UK we are reluctant to think about spiritual warfare like as being a physical outworking as well but that is a very interesting concept for us to consider that you know that the devil is so involved in all of these awful things that happen and you know in in revelation you you see that don't you with all the different parallel pictures of what is happening you know the bowls of wrath and the and the cups and you you see everything happening and the trumpets and you see everything happening alongside each other but all of the things are just such destruction and such evil parading on the earth as the devil rampages to to cause as much destruction and death as possible. The Lord Jesus, of course, will come back and just with the word of his mouth, he will finish all of that and he'll bring peace and there will never be any fighting ever again, which is a wonderful thought. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because we need to balance those two things constantly mm. when we when we look at, at this this topic of, of, of war and yeah, destruction, both the spiritual battle and the, the physical. We hold, you know, as you say, you know, we have an enemy who wishes to, to kill, to, to steal and um, destroy who, you know, we see in Job, you know, God says, where, where are you? He says, I've been roaming the land, you know, mm. I, I, he is looking for people to take down because at the end of the day, the devil knows his destiny you know it's once jesus rose again he knew his time like he knows his time is limited and so taking down as many people is is his his goal at the same time we have a god who you know we read in the psalms will bend the bow and break the spear mm. tell wars to cease as a yeah in, in as a as a christian i'm sort of jumping on a bit but that's okay i think would you say then we read that purely in a um to come time in you know we know that jesus will come and bend the bow 
break the spear or do we say that happens now as well what, what, what's your thoughts on that I, I think that's a really good point I was actually just going to come on on to that Owen so when in Isaiah uh, 9 the famous passage we read at Christmas times talks about um, that unto us a son is born unto us a son is given it goes on to say of the increase of his government mm. and peace there will be no end and so you know you're reading that prophecy you think wow this is going to happen and this is he's going to he's going to be born he's going to be Emmanuel he's going to be God with us and then this government and peace is just going to go on and on uh, uh, and on and of course that's not been our experience in the physical in the and that's not been the church's experience you know throughout uh, its time here on earth it's it's suffered it's it's been persecuted and also had to live through times of wars which Jesus himself tells us about I think I think it's important to recognize and realize that with this spiritual battle that is going on in the background that actually the main war if you like that's going on the main lack of the main need for peace is between uh, humanity and God that's the main peace that needs to be sorted and that is what of course the gospel has been doing and has increased and gone you know from the from Israel if you like from the, the promised land there and is going to the ends of the earth going to every tribe every tongue every nation and that has increased and so there's been there is this sense, I suppose, in which God is is allowing in this this season since Christ came and re- returned to heaven that there's still physical trouble going on. There's still these uh, physical uh, birth pains that the Bible talks about elsewhere. But what God and what I suppose the focus of, of uh, heaven and should be the focus of churches at the moment is to get the gospel, the gospel mm. of peace out to every tribe, tongue and nation so that everyone has the opportunity to, to, to hear hear about God, to come to know God, to have their sins forgiven so there can be peace restored between them and God so they're no longer under God's wrath. They're no longer in the hand of Satan for him to do whatever he wants with. They, they come into that life and life in all its fullness and there and when once that's dealt with they know that when they die or when Christ returns they will go to a place where there will be no more fighting no uh, more war no more suffering as well so that's the main piece that needs to be sorted and God is uh, allowing a season where these other troubles go on so that that so that more people, as it tells us in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, so that more people can have opportunity to hear that message and reach repentance. Because obviously when Christ does return, because God is good, because God is just, he will have to judge the living and the dead. He will have to wrap up history and bring everybody, to hold everyone to account. And of course, we, as we know, outside of Jesus, there is no hope in our own strength of being found right before God. Our good deeds definitely don't outweigh our bad deeds and even our righteous deeds, the Bible says, are like filthy rags before him. So we we need Jesus. And so there, I think that Whilst yes, wars are you know are horrible and 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 suffering is horrible, and we don't fully uh, um, understand why God doesn't step in more often. However, we do have to appreciate He is stepping in in the sense of turning people towards mm-hmm. Jesus. And um, certainly for our friends in Uganda, when um, times were difficult. It was the fact that they knew that they had a, a hope that is certain of a better future that, that kept them strong and, and enabled them to 
be kind and to show grace and to be do good things even when the situations are desperate. I think we all know the phrase that desperate people do desperate things and in wartime that, that happens quite a lot so it, it's unusual or, or it's less common in those situations for people to show lavish kindness or, or grace because you don't you know you don't know when your, when your next meal is going to come from or, 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 or what the future holds and so actually the church really and certainly where we were, were in Uganda really was able to shine at that time because their hope was in God, their trust was in God, and they were living not just for the here and now, but for eternity. Mm. That Matthew 24 passage we read earlier in, in verse 14, that says, uh, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And I think that, that definitely sort of speaks of what you guys have been saying, of that we look at the exponential increase of the kingdom of God as the the gospel is spread through every nation, tribe, town, but physically, almost as if you're, you know, you look in infrared and then you look on a physical nature. It's just there's two layers. And on the on a normal day, we don't see the spiritual layer. And so we see this, these birthing pains, these exponential things. And we think, God, what, you know, what are you doing? But we also know that God uses these times to turn people to him and, and so for people to turn their eyes to him. I think it's whenever we talk about these areas, I do think it is important that we hold the sovereignty of God tight and, and close and his character uh, and know that even though we see in part, he sees in, in whole. But I also know that what I've just said and what we've just said is um, to a certain extent easy to say when you sit in yes. the UK in South yes, of England. Exactly. It's a very different story when, when you're there. And, and so because of that, that's why it's so good to hear. Well, testimony of all nations you know to we we hear of our brothers and sisters in ukraine gathering praying you know praising god all through these times that's why we need testimonies of those things because we can't speak in that first hand thing but they see as as you said the ugandan guys saw the end goal the bigger picture the the, the glory of god and, and that's why it's so important not to shy away talking about these and think oh we we can't talk about it because we're not there but also not to talking full yeah i think i should add to that as well that um in south sudan so since the civil war uh, broke out in 2013 it's calming down uh, these last few years however they have seen revival amongst mm. the people group that we yeah. work there that's when the churches have just exploded all the way up to the ethiopian border amongst the toposa people at least they're seeing god do amazing things and i don't think it's a coincidence and i know some people you know sort of glibly say oh we should the church needs a dose of persecution that will cause it to grow the bible doesn't actually tell us to you know pray for persecution it tells us to pray for peace and that uh, so that the gospel can flourish however it does seem almost that even when god for whatever reasons allows wars to, to, to break out and there's mass destruction and that that the gospel does flourish in those situations so i think that's important to bear in mind too it's a bit like i suppose and you look at it's not it is obviously not the same but you look at medical the the, mo the areas of medical increase that were of most note in history are times of war they just are and we see that over time millions of people have lived because of procedures that were taken through times of war and I do think that to a certain extent we will see, we see the growth of the church under persecution in a way we don't see in times of, of, of complacency. And I, I don't want to say times of peace because I don't think it is 
you know, causation isn't correlation, but in times of complacency. And whilst we look in areas like, you know, largest growing church in the last decades under times of intense persecution. And I don't think that is, I don't think it's wrong to draw those comparisons. No, no. Yeah. And so we've spoken a bit about sort of the, the sort of theological side of that. And I want to come back to it a little bit later. However, in terms of fighting in wars, personally in terms of what does that look like for a christian who is you know conscription all those different areas where how do we deal with that as a church i mean i think the thing over personal whether you fight or not is uh, a whole podcast in itself so probably won't go there and i think really that's a conscience issue and that would be where i fall on it that it's a conscience issue and that every believer will hold a different view on mm. that and i don't think god explicitly it doesn't explicitly say in the scriptures that christians should not fight and there is an argument for if all christians took the view of never fighting then that would be a problem there would be you wouldn't be represented in the army wouldn't be represented in a military aspect of a country which you know they've got the gospel is relevant to all areas of government so for that that is quite a big area i think overall for christians our approach should be to pray for peace we want peace we serve a god of peace and god is the one who brings peace he's in some situations you know that that's all we can do is pray for peace. When we see stuff happening in Ukraine and when stuff was happening in Syria, you know, you're so powerless to help. But we have an almighty God who we can pray to and ask for peace and ask him to intervene, ask him to protect people, ask him to stop bombs going off that should go off, ask him to stop tanks getting into major cities, ask for those divine interventions to happen to protect people. I think also we should pray for the church in those areas where war is, that the church will rise up and be brave and that God will strengthen believers, give them supernatural strength to be able to stand strong in times of trouble, to be able to lead people well, you know, pray pray for church pastors, you know, our friends in Uganda that they had churches in the villages that they had to flee from the villages into refugee camps and these church pastors ended up you know pastoring whole refugee camps really and ended up being the leaders of the refugee camps for some of them you know it cost them their mind you know they really they did have nervous breakdowns and become unwell because they were just looking after such you know thousands and thousands of people because they'd stepped up to being the spiritual leader of of their people and i think we should pray for church leaders to have Mm. great strength to be resilient to push people to jesus to pray for their minds to stay well because i think in war your mind can become so poorly and Mm. fractured with all that is happening it's 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 so horrible seeing your own people suffer must be horrendous and so just pray for that for people i think also we we need to be crying with those who are crying and mourning for with those who are mourning and i think the temptation when you're not in the country where there is war is to almost be like i don't want to think about it i don't want to know about it it's not relevant to me i don't want to engage with it but actually as believers we do not 
we are not able to hold that view. We are to be people who weep with those who weep, who rejoice with those who rejoice, but also who engage with what is happening in this world. God loves all of his creation, and that includes every person who's on the earth. And so we have a responsibility as his representatives to engage with our world and to pray and to offer support where we're able to, for it to cost our finances, to cost our lifestyle, to to make those choices that remember that this world is temporary and Jesus is coming again. And so anything we have here is is a gift from him and we use it to advance his kingdom and to be his ambassadors here on the earth. I think it's important to remember um, that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, uh, otherwise my followers would be fighting for me. So there's, for the sake of the gospel or gospel advancement, then we must, you know, we never take up arms. You know, that's in the Crusades in the past were, were wrong to, yeah. to, to, to do that. That's not what Christians are called to do. Actually, we, we can't force anybody to become uh, a Christian. You can force some people to conform, but conformity doesn't mean salvation. Uh, it just means they're conforming because they have to. And uh, whereas God's in, uh, interested in in heart change, in in a, in a deep change. So I think it's important to remember that. However, is that that that's that's for the advancement of the gospel. But when a, for example, a nation is being attacked, uh, attacked like in Ukraine, then then it's, you're suddenly going into the realms of self-defense. And the Bible allows you know Christians to exercise a self-defense. Uh, and uh, and and as Anna said, so when it comes into Christians, whether they choose to stay and to fight to defend their land or to stay and to you know help serve their land in in other ways other than fighting, that's that's a very much a a personal choice there. You know. All, Augustine, the famous church father, he he looked into this and outlines conditions for what what's come to known as a just war. When 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 it's okay for Christians to 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 join in fighting, and that's when there's just cause, when there is a comparative justice that's going to come about at the end of the fighting because of what you're fighting for. When there's a competent authority in charge to actually deal with the the, the complexities of war in in a in a way of trying to keep people not you know not not just you know raping and pillaging and all those sorts of thing when it's with the right uh, intention when it's a last uh, resort and when there is proportionality and so there's those things but that's very much again on an individual basis Christians have to search their own conscience and feel what what's right for them in that that situation to do I can't and I can't answer for other people I don't even know what I would you know do fully in in that situation when you're faced with the threat of someone coming not for the sake of the gospel but for political reasons coming to you know take your 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 land or to take your family you know there's a it's it's a it's a real it's a real minefield and we just have to pray for people pray for pray for peace as the bible tells us and has already encouraged us and pray that god would help people to make right choices and recognize that in the complexities of war as i said at the beginning there's lots of sudden gray areas that people have to deal with and have to live with the decisions that they've that they've made and uh, and they'll forever be for some people will forever be thinking did I make the right choice I'm not I'm not sure and that's that's a real uh, 
it's a real complex subject as Anna said it's a whole podcast in itself really. yeah definitely and I don't want I don't want to spend too much time so we will move on but I think it is is good that you you bring up there in uh, for instance like the crusades you know I, I have many Muslim friends who will still you know point to that as sort of the re- sort of the flawed reality of Christianity in their mind because when Christianity was in power that's what they see you know mm. they see that wars were waged and you know let's not around the bush there was geopolitical gain within that it, mm. it, it wasn't holy and religious in that way but it was justified on a state level due to religion and i think that's something that i think is is quite interesting and, and and yeah we'll talk about maybe at another different time but that personal choice is the the main point that it's you know that individual things that you've just spoken about there and i think that it comes down to the individual as you've you've said so we'll, we'll move on from there one thing i do want to just draw upon because i know that something that's we've seen over the last uh little while and actually into church history is current wars being linked to eschatological statements to end times you know we we read in that in the passages earlier of, of sort of birthing pains of the, the coming of the end um and i know a number of people who would sort of go oh yeah no that that is that and that is the point pointing towards the end so the end is coming now how do we at christchurch look at that theologically what do we say about that how do we read biblically so i think the answer uh, to that is yes and no it's lots of people lots of people throughout history looked at uh, their situation and said oh this is this in 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 revelation and um this is the and this is the, like the definitive part of it happening and i think i think sometimes that can that can be unhelpful i think that jesus is clear that the gospel of the kingdom will go to the every nation every ethnic group and then the end will come that's got to be our clear marker if you like for the for christ coming back when the gospel has gone to every uh, tribe tongue and nation which we're still a little way off at the moment we're much closer now than we uh, ever were um and you know who knows maybe within our lifetime we can reach that but that that's 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 the clear marker of the end times. As to looking at Revelation, I think I think yes. Whilst or, or many of them, there may be end sort of final climatic f- fulfillment sort of of those passages. However, as Anna said earlier, I think it's it, it, you know Scripture is for it, is relevant for every generation, for every people. And so when you look at these passages of the bowls and the the trumpets and the seals of God's uh, uh, wrath. It's, it's it's actually it's helpful to remember to when you look at them to to realize that they all when it comes to like the, the sixth and the seventh one of them they all sort of sum up the ending of history and so there, there's not three different endings or four different endings of history if you include what happens uh, later in revelation there's only going to be one ending uh, of history so it's helpful to realize that whilst even if there is some you know final dramatic fulfillment of them on a global scale they are still relevant for each generation to look at and so there's principles that come out of them like you do with any scripture you look at what what is what does it mean to the original audience what does what what can i what principles can i draw out of that how do i apply it to my situation and um so you can look at some of these events and uh, and realize okay well we need to get on with sharing the gospel we need to get on with bringing peace we need to we need to get get on with focusing on the job that god has has given us us to do and yes you know there's going to continue to be wars there's going to continue to be rumors of wars there can continue to be trouble and uh, nation rising against nation and and expressions of you know mass uh, suffering i suppose as well on 
the earth and and we just have to accept that that's all part of the things that's going to happen up until uh, Christ returns so I think it's not it's not is it's sometimes it's unhelpful to look at well where, where in revelation is this particular is this the is this this bowl and or this seal number three is definitely this this event however there may be things in there that you can draw from it and think okay actually there's principles there that we can apply to our life and to our situation so I think that's probably a uh, uh, a more helpful way of, of looking at it. I think it's also helpful to think perspective, isn't it? I mean, if you were a Christian in Syria during the war, then you would, you know, you'd be thinking, "Well, this is it. It's not. It doesn't get any worse than this. This is horrendous. Crucifying believers, taking their children, and forcing them to be wives for Islamic fighters. You know, so the whole, you have to sort of think perspective. You know, if you were in Syria, when that, all of that was happening, you know, you, you could argue they could be saying, well, that's it, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, it doesn't get any worse than this. If you live in Congo, you know, it doesn't get much worse. They have Ebola, they've had the plague, they've got constant fighting, they have massively high HIV AIDS rate. It, you know, you think when Jesus says, you know, woe to pregnant women, obviously the immediate consequence of that, and when he says that in, in Mark, is the temple being destroyed in AD 70 when everyone fled and went to caves and ran away. But you see that again and again in history that yeah. there would have been times when people would have thought, this is it, because it is so awful. It just doesn't get any worse. I think, but I think we mustn't get distracted by endless prophecies about this, this means this and this means that. Actually, what we need to be focusing in is what Sai was talking about. You know, how does this affect how we live now? And actually, the argument would be if if you're really persuaded by prophecies that are saying Jesus is coming back right now, or then you better get on and share the gospel. And mm. that actually should be the consequence mm. of listening to prophecies and people talking about the end times. It should be the focus should be get on and preach the gospel, get on and re- show Jesus to people all around you. And don't spend hours and hours listening to prophecies about it because Jesus will hold you to account for what we have done in in the last days. He will hold us to account as believers. And so I don't want to say, well, I spent, you know, 25 hours one month listening to prophecies, but I didn't do anything to actually help. Actually spend 25 hours praying would be much more beneficial to the end time and to Jesus returning, you know, pray that actually God will return and he will bring an end to all these things but also how do we practically show the love of jesus to people one of the things that you mentioned about the crusades was that they used christianity to justify uh, what they were doing and it's interesting if you um look at revelation 13 and around there where you've got the uh, the, the beasts that arise and you get the the the, the false prophet now mm-hmm. You know, there's been many manifestations of the beast. I, mean, I personally think there will be a one sort of final climatic revelation of a man of lawlessness and that, that, that sort of thing. But however, that principle still applies in any situation. There's where you say that the beast of like, you know, with the government control and mm. government authority. And then there's the prophet, you know, sort of going along, false prophet coming along and, and promoting them and, and justifying what they do. And you see, well, you see that in the situation in, what's going on in Ukraine and with, with Russia there and what, how they're justifying in their 
in their country what they're doing you you see that throughout history they it's not just people do it because we want to be bad people mm. they have a justifying yeah. motive uh, that goes alongside the governmental power that enforces uh, what they do now yeah i'm sure at some stage uh, prior to christ coming there will be that will be used to uh, justify persecuting the church on a worldwide um, scale but it certainly is happening in many contexts around the world now and that's the spirit of the antichrist uh, happening and and whatever situation you find yourself in as anna said that the, the outcome is the same we're called to get on living with jesus sharing the gospel praying for christ's return and praying or you know also that people would come to know and love him and that his gospel would go out to the ends of the earth so it should give us motivation and i think that's possibly sometimes where we people can get slightly distracted by looking into these things to the nth degree you know it it warns us actually at the end of ecclesiastes uh, of the making of many books there is no end and much Mm. study wearies the soul you know it it tells you that you know so it says basically it finishes by saying you know god's standards are 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 there but beyond don't don't go beyond these go beyond god's words and and so i I think we can we can end up sometimes spending lots of time looking into these things because they're interesting that they're actually they're feeding our intellectual curiosity rather than enabling us rather than causing us to get on with the task that's in hand which is sharing the good news to those around us in peacetime and in war in season and out of season but we're called to be sharing the gospel and making it go to the ends of the earth now thank you for that thank you for just unpacking that really clearly and i think that's been really helpful i'm sure for a lot of people just to sort of close today and our discussion i I, Anna, you said something that i thought was really interesting about sort of often our response can be sort of hide our head in the sand and and not look at it because it's easier we also realize though that looking at these things is difficult and can provide you know can bring fear and, and anxiety for for us and for people it's damaging for mental health both warfare in being in war zones but also looking into that so what do we do that as a church how do we bring that as believers to christ how do we look to deal with that fear anxiety whilst also not sticking our heads in the sand Yeah, well, I think God has made us people who have emotions. Emotions are God-given. They're not simple. And so you first, I think it's really important to acknowledge that actually it should make us concerned and worried when we see the state of this world and we see the suffering that is happening and it should sadden our hearts like all those emotions are normal and it would be abnormal to not feel them and actually as believers we should be the people who are most self-aware and the more I read this excellent quote, which said, you know, that the more that we know Jesus, the more that we should know ourselves and be people who are emotionally healthy. And it is emotionally healthy to recognize that war is absolutely horrible. It is, it does make you feel worried. You do start asking questions about what, what will the future be like for our children? growing up in this world what will it be like all of those emotions are normal and they are healthy but actually what we do with them is the issue here of how do we deal with those emotions do we let them completely rule our life so that we're unable to do things do we make it make them so that we do crazy decisions that make no sense or do we place them at the foot of the cross and say actually I feel all these things, but Lord, we know you are in control. And verses like uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, Philippians 4, 
they clearly tell us that what we do with our anxieties and our fears and our worries and our concerns is we bring them to Jesus and we ask him to give us a supernatural peace that surpasses understanding and we we cast all of those feelings to Jesus try and pretend we don't have them but we give them to Jesus and we acknowledge that actually it doesn't say if you feel like this and you're highly abnormal and you get anxiety, it says actually you cast all your anxieties on Jesus because they because actually the, the New Testament writers are real people who experienced real emotion and God knows that we experience these things. So it's to bring them to the foot of the cross and to pour them out with Jesus and to ask him to give us peace, to not make decisions based on fear and anxiety. We don't act out of fear. As believers, we act out of love. That is always the drive in our life, is we act out of love. And so it's, it's placing them before Jesus. Thank you so much for joining uh, me, guys. Thank you for your sensitivity, uh, your wisdom talking into this. And if you're listening into this podcast and anything that's been said has you know affected you, whether that's in a, a, a way of those emotions, you'd like to chat that through, please contact the office. There's some people who'd love to chat and pray with you. You know, if it's um, brought you to a point where you say, actually, no, I want to, I want to give. We do have a Ukraine uh, fund that is going on at the moment, which is done by Catalyst, which is the group of churches we're a part of. So if you'd like to give towards that, please contact the office as well. Thank you so much, Sian Anna, for joining uh, me today Uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next month